Are you at Celebration in Chicago right now watching the panels on Episode 9, Clone Wars Saved, or The Mandalorian? Well, we're not. So, here's our podcast not recorded at Star Wars Celebration Chicago 2019. Stay tuned! Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and Star Wars. Not always about Star Wars, but this time, at least, about Star Wars. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're talking about Star Wars Resistance. Um, we've talked about it before, when it first came out on Disney XD. And now I guess it is still playing on the XD. Well, Disney XD still exists. Um, and we'll move to Disney Plus, hopefully. Or whatever. I don't know what Disney's plans are. Wherever it goes, we'll follow. <laughs> I think that's what this podcast should generally be. I don't know what Disney's plans are. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what this podcast is. Like, let's figure out Disney's plans. I'm just imagining like the podcast cover logo of like us shrugging. We don't know what Disney's plans are. <laughs> And we'd have to be wearing Mickey ears. so Like episode seven. Like, we still don't know. And then like some dramatic music plays. Doom, 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 doom. And then you talk over it like a dramatic podcast host. Doom, 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 doom. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm Chris Leva. This is, I don't know what Disney's doing. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Anyway, um, I know what we're doing, though. Today we are talking about Star Wars Resistance, as we said. Um, it just finished its first season, which felt like a short season. Am I Did crazy? it? It felt short. And when did it start airing? Uh, oh. October. Okay, so it's like October through March. So it's maybe just condensed. Probably. I'm not used to Disney releasing episodes in a timely fashion. Duck they tales. might be listening. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Christmas and then March randomly and then what? We have to wait till when? July? Come on. I don't know when. Anyway. <laughs> Again, I don't know what Disney's planning. I don't know what Disney's plans are. So... <laughs> Talking through Disney, Disney resistance. Oh my jeez! <laughs> we are not resisting Disney. Again, <laughs> wherever the show goes, you just tell me how much to pay, and I'll pay. <laughs> anyway, talking through Star Wars: colon, Resistance, the show that just completed its first season on Disney XD. Looking through where it might be going, how it's coinciding with the other star wars universe that's existing now and what we have to look forward to in the future that's what we're talking about today yeah makes sense if you haven't watched star wars resistance um we can have some spoiler free zone kind of overview so if you're wondering hey should i check this out is it worthwhile you can listen to the spoiler free zone and then we will talk some spoilers because Big stuff happens yeah. in this season. And, and if you like Star Wars, there's probably spoilers. Exactly. So let's um let's let's start with um for those of you who haven't seen Star Wars Resistance, Mackenzie, what is Star Wars Resistance about? Well, it's a whole new show. Boom. Um we start with a new character who hasn't been in any Star Wars properties before. Kazuda Shiono, uh, or Kaz for short. Um, and he is a pilot for the New Republic, but he's quickly recruited by Poe Dameron, a familiar face and voice, in the first episode to be a spy for the Resistance. And essentially, they know that the First Order exists. They're out there. They're doing things. New Republic is kind of like, okay with it, whatever. And uh, General Leia Organa and the Resistance are not okay with it. They're kind of suspicious. As we see later, rightfully so. Spoilers <laughs> for the premise of Star Wars. Uh, sorry. For Star Wars Episode 7 and Star Wars Episode 8. Spoilers, First Order is bad. There we go. It's in the trailer. Uh, first Order bad. Um, so the premise is basically uh, Poe Dameron drops off Kaz on this strategically valuable, like, 
refueling point essentially which is kind of like a trading post slash market slash they have like intergalactic races here um and he drops off to be a mechanic and just find out like who's with the first order here who's not with the first order what are their plans just get a lay of the ground occasionally poe po dameron drops by to have some adventures he leaves his pet droid bb8 with kaz for most of the season um, and mostly we just follow kaz and his crew of mechanics that he works with and meeting the other crazy people on the colossus which is his space station as we learn more about the first order before they were officially um, invading the galaxy as we see in episode seven that that goes pretty well thank you well well done i i do it i mostly ask because i love how you summarize things you know, i just like enjoy listening like ah oh, i wouldn't have done that as a main thread but i appreciate your summaries so premise main character why you care and then like the when you're like pitching the animated show you have like one slide i presume i've never pitched an animated show you can call me um (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't have to be my show i'll just pitch your show you want the soothing voice cool i'll record a voiceover for your pitch not even the show Um, but I presume in a pitch you have like a slide that's like episodes will do. And that's kind of like what I'd like to end with. Like, here's what's going to happen in the show. One sentence. And I think I, I go along with some of the emotional things that some of the threads that we follow are, you know, Kaz's journey. We, we learn more about Kaz as a person and his growth. Um, and we learn about, um, a lot of the past. So generally in Star Wars, the past causes a lot of the problems for the present. And when the past and the present start being revealed and forcing people to make decisions, that's when you end up with good Star Wars. Star Wars is mostly about people making decisions. And... (laughs) As good drama is generally. I was going to say, isn't that not just Star Wars, but drama? I was I was trying to make it a Star Wars thing, but I know it's really everything. <laughs> That's drama. That's writing. Spoilers. Spoilers. Characters making decisions is writing. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. But here they make good decisions that are compelling, and there's tension... Or once we get into spoiler category, there's at least one character you're like, you didn't know what decision they were going to make. Oh, that was so good. We will get to that in, in spoiler territory. So um, some of the things that m- sets Star Wars Resistance aside from other Star Wars properties. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I think. Know, I was, gonna, I was about to say, I know we hit it a little bit in our episode where we talked about it, where other folks can go back and listen to that. But can we talk about it here? What, what, what are the things that set Star Wars Resistance apart from other <sighs> Star Wars stuff? I think decisively, and I think I had this exact same um, soapbox bloop, bloop, uh, in our first episode about Resistance for the premiere. Um, for many people, it's the animation right away. Right. Not only is it, number one, animated, a lot of Star Wars fans are not fans, and I'm using air quotes, in that they don't watch animated shows. Um, But also, it was a different animation than what uh, fans of the Star Wars animated shows have seen before. And when you just see stills of that, it can be a little jarring. And then you see it in motion, it's totally fine. My metaphor, my historical video games metaphor, is I'm a big Legend of Zelda fan. When Nintendo announced, like, Wind Waker, like, in 2002, it's got this exact same, like, cell-shaded style. And everyone hated the preview photos. And as soon as it came out, you saw it in person. Oh, it looks gorgeous. Because mm-hmm. you're seeing what looks like a cartoon, but in a 3D environment. Which is great. It's a really cool effect. And they do some really amazing things with that. With, like, the glare on the windshield of the the racing ships uh so it looks very like speed racer at times um, it it yeah. does it, speed racer is a very good comparison uh, yeah i mean mostly because there's races but also yeah. because of the look i know they said this was inspired by a lot of anime i think 
Yeah. They said like anime styled and yeah, it is a little bit. I, I would agree with that. Um, the other thing that I feel sets it apart is tone. Um, the tone of it is very silly in a lot of ways. Um, it's It feels very comical. Like it's just, um, especially Kaz, it's, if you imagine a, a main character who is trying to be suave and a spy and being everything that we think of for spies and he's really socially and physically awkward um and just has a really difficult time operating in the world uh it's it's a main character that we're not used to in, in some wars. ways in star wars yeah i'm not saying <laughs> ever but um yeah in star wars we're not used to that we're he is flawed that we see. He doesn't have the tragic past that we're used to Star Wars um, characters having. I would say like Ezra from mm -hmm. Rebels or, you know, Anakin <laughs> from Clone Wars. Yeah, um, all of our main characters have been orphan this, virgin birth that. <laughs> right. You know, even Luke you know, is kind of has a bad past and then he gets his journey gets activated when he has even more tragic stuff happen to him. Um, and we'll, I'll save more for spoilerville, but, um, I think he's just a different character than, than we're used to. He's somebody who is fine. <laughs> he's, he doesn't have a tragic past and he's, he's just fine. And I think what's interesting is continuing some of the thematic elements for episode eight, where they go to the casino planet. Yes. Um, Kaz is not just fine. He comes from money and nobility in a way that Leia didn't. Right. And his, his father is a senator, as we find out, um, in the New Republic. So he... We, we get some sense that he's very well off um, financially and he has a lot of clout. So in some ways, one of the big questions is why Kaz? You know, why is it because of his clout that they, if, oh, well, if he gets stuck, then maybe we could <laughs> get some help from the Senate or, you know, I don't know what their plan was. But I think it it works because one thing about Kaz is in a lot of ways he's a blank slate for the, um, not the rebellion, the resistance. Title of the show. I know. <laughs> the, re the resistance um, to paint whatever they want on him. And he doesn't have his mind made up about anything. So they can start him fresh and just put him out there. And he doesn't have any preconceived notions. And his naivete is what guides him. Mm -hmm. And I think they, they center him around three other side characters that exemplify the different sides of Kaz or the different possible paths of Kaz. Um, in some ways. And so we get the side characters of Yeager and we get Niku and Tam as mm -hmm. like the three paths of Kaz or the three personality ideas of Kaz. Like Niku is just the complete naive person who is the blank slate side. And then there's Yeager who is the responsibility side and then tam who is the heart of of things but it's just really interesting to see how they're because i don't want to say he's generic because he definitely is not but how he's not I'm, his his fate is not decided 
you know, he, he doesn't, yeah. the only decision he's made is to work with the resistance and he does it for somewhat noble reasons, but also because he doesn't know any better. I, That's I fair. <laughs> yeah. And I think and we it, don't get to know Kaz very well in the first season because he is, he's a spy. He's pretending to be someone he's not for the most part. Right. So we don't get to know a lot about, I mean, you said Star Wars is a, a world where we, the past impacts the future and we don't see much of Kaz's past. No. I the, even forgot at one point halfway through that he was a pilot in the New Republic. Like, oh yeah, he did do that. That's how he got here. <laughs> he, he was. He, he did that. Um, I even forgot that he was rich partway mm. through. I forgot who his parents were. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's something that needed to come back in some way, which we can talk about what happens. Um, if you've seen episode seven, I think you know what happens. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so the moment uh, they say it in the first episode, you're like, I see where this is going. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, oh, Chris O'Dowd came back and everything. I know. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, Kaz. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had Chris O'Dowd back. Um, Please welcome back to the show, Chris O'Dowd. <laughs> If you don't know what we're talking about, we can post that in our show notes. Um, yep. You can go have a good listen. Um, so what else differentiates Star Wars Resistance from Star Wars anything else? Uh, man, um, if Rogue One and Solo give us um, both each almost a complete story without the force or force wielder or lightsaber um star wars resistance season one gives us an entire season without a lightsaber i hope that's not a spoiler i don't think it's a spoiler yeah yeah which is interesting and i want to talk about that later like what that means for the future um i don't mind it but i think if you tell someone Go again. If you're trying to sell someone who likes Star Wars movies on watching the show, if you said, "Yeah, it's a Star Wars show, but there are no lightsabers," a casual—I don't want to say like a filthy casual—that's not what I'm saying. Uh, but someone who's like passingly familiar with the Star Wars movies and knows what they like, and part of that's going to be lightsabers, uh, isn't going to say, "Yes, I want that show." So I think they've wisely like not pushed it as such, but I don't mind that it does that. If that makes sense. It does make sense. Okay. But I, I feel like the story of Star Wars, there are certain points where Star Wars, the things in Star Wars become its own mythology. And there are certain times where Jedi are myths. Um, and it's not until we start to see the influence of the Jedi and the Sith that the, the, I don't want to say the main story, but the, the story is bigger than the battle between the Jedi and the Sith. And I think, um, just playing Star Wars, Clone Wars risk is, uh, enough to understand just how big this stretch is, you know? I mean, planets and systems, and it's it's massive. So if, if we're to understand that the Jedi was down to a single person, then, of course, where, where else are you going to get that? The Jedi itself, not the Force, because the Force is within us all. Um, it surrounds and binds all living things. I do want to know where all, like, the the teenaged X-Men style force wielders are discovering and being afraid of their powers, like during this time period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get a hint of them in episode eight, right? Yeah. Ish. I mean, it's still a kid, like right for discovery with the Jedi. I don't know. Is it like, if you don't use it when you're young, like it goes away, you just forget the forces inside all of us. Or like, is there a Wolverine and rogue Cyclops team, Cyclops team out there? With the Force, doing good, 
in the outer rim. Not knowing any better. Yeah. I think there would have to be. There would have to be. I mean, they probably don't have laser swords. If you look at Ezra, season one of Rebels. Yeah, it's true. That's that's what you get. Somebody who uses the force, they don't know what they're doing with it. They don't have a sword, but they're probably out there doing their stuff, doing their thing. I want to see Professor Skywalker's home for wayward teens. <laughs> yeah. One maybe, day. Maybe that's that's the next animated series. The, the nice thing about these animated series is that they get to fill in holes that we didn't know existed in some ways. I mean, in some ways we we know like, well, what happened before episode seven? So there's a big hole there, but it's not telling the story that we thought mm-hmm. it was telling. Um, and I think if you're ready, we can start talking spoilers. Red so. alert, spoilers, o'clock, MacGuffin. <laughs> So now that most of the people on the Colossus are dead, um, no, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I thought that'd be funny. Um, I, for any of those people that were like too slow to turn off their podcast app, <laughs> I, yeah, that's not true. That didn't really happen. But um, well, that's a spoiler in itself. But it's okay. We're in spoiler zone. We're in spoiler zone now. I, I warned them. <laughs> we gave them the red alert. Um, the story that Resistance is telling, when we first started watching it, or before it came out, what story were you hoping to get from Star Wars Resistance? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't really think that I had a lot of concrete expectations going in. I think from being like a long-term... Star Wars animation fan at this point um, and us having this podcast during the time of Star Wars Rebels and us making predictions every season of Star Wars Rebels and none of that stuff happened. <laughs> I think I went to Resistance going like, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to enjoy the ride. And who knows what's going to happen? I, actually, the one expectation I had based on the marketing was that there'd be a lot more racing. True. True. That did not happen. That did not happen show begins and you have a completely different set of main characters than like what the marketing before the show would have had you believe. Right. Cause they were, they were talking all about the aces and yeah. the racing. And I was like, Oh, how is this going to be? You know, what is this basically cars, but you know, is this pod racing? What, what are we watching? Like what, what's the story here? I would and watch a pod racing TV show. That's what they, yeah, that's what they promised me. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, What's, what's interesting about it is, just like Star Wars Rebels was not the story of the Rebellion, um, Star Wars Resistance is not about the Resistance. It's not about how the Resistance came to power. It's about um, the story of some specific cell of people, but also showing the evolution of something. So... The rebels cells becoming the rebellion and now we have the resistance actually in some ways I'm wondering uh, if this is the story of the rebirth of the rebel of the resistance oh totally that's after the season one finale that's totally my expectation also I don't know if it happens right away in season two but at some point here are people and they're resisting and a lot of people Right. And are they all going to be dead? <laughs> you know, have we already seen them die in episode eight? I don't think so. No, because I think seven and eight are like a week or two of time. Right. Yeah. So I don't think there's a big old band of folks who uh, are out there who can create something something new so in in this season we witness the first order taking over the colossus this seaport as you were talking about this fueling station race haven 
large cantina-esque. Like it, it was basically all of Star Wars on a giant barge. Like let's let's do this. Um, Tatooine, but Waterworld. Oh, <laughs> stamp! Here you go, Mister Filoni. Here's your check. Um, also racing. Whoa, whoa, no, no, no. Slow down. We already gave you the money. Um, but uh, I'm I'm just wondering. So this whole story about these folks on this ship. Um, and how they, as a people, had to make a decision. Because for a while, the only person making decisions was the main person who, in charge of everything, is Doza, up in his tower. And he's the one making the decisions for everybody. Um, we end up seeing the Colossus having pirate problems although that's manipulated a little bit by the first order to, you know, cause problems. So that way Doza will make the agreement with the first order. So yeah, a little bit of first order trickery going on there, but it's really smart to see them, um, manipulative and, mm -hmm. um, coaxing things rather than just going in with violence and blasting. Yeah, I think what this this season shows, if you've just seen episode seven and eight, is the first order didn't just come in and invade the galaxy. Like they've been laying the groundwork for a long time, and they have to get people on board. It it can't just be by force, um, because. They, they wouldn't be able to gain that much power. They were a small little cell. Um, and in your notes, you, you talked a little bit about the, um, the evils <laughs> in the canon and moving from the Empire. I would love to hear your take on, on that and how we end up with the First Order and what we're witnessing in Resistance. Yeah. Um, so while I, Mackenzie World, podcaster and Star Wars fan, I'm not super versed in the extended universe and the legends and all that stuff and the books and the comics. I follow some things, the things that look really interesting to me, I'll follow them. Um, sadly, I, I can't consume everything Star Wars. I wish that I could. <laughs> One day. There's not time. There's not time. There's not time. There's too many wars. <laughs> um, but I know... My, my passing, like, Wikipedia level knowledge about some of the extended things in the, the, the past before the new canon uh, was that there were, like, shades of good in the Empire. And I think at some point, like, essentially these, like, lawful, neutral, like, Empire factions after the Galactics of War came out to, like, help restore order and be like, we just wanted order and safety in the galaxy this whole time because ultimately what the 90s did to Star Wars was make people like the Empire. <laughs> you released all these TIE Fighter pilot games, Shadows of the Empire, played as the Empire a lot. There's all this like emphasis on military. Like, this, I feel like there's like this Empire paraphernalia culture like this. And I, I mean this in both a weird but not as bad way. Like a Nazi paraphernalia culture exists in the world. <laughs> like I feel like... There are people out there who really like the Empire. Yeah. And I think I, I think if you would go out and count the people who have the Empire insignia on a sticker on their car versus the you know, the rebellion sticker on their car, I think the Empire one would vastly outnumber the uh, They're the cool rebellion. bad guys. They're really cool bad guys. And I think what we're seeing is in this show, it's kind of telling us all the gray stuff in between, which it seems like that's the direction Star Wars is going anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but we're seeing more of like how evil the First Order is because it's like the worst of the worst of the Empire selected to get some secret message apparently in a book. Again, Wikipedia love knowledge. Sorry, hashtag Star Wars celebration. Um <laughs> Like the evilest of the evil, the Empire got a secret message. Go to the unknown regions out and past the Outer Rim 
And then over 30 years, they build themselves and come back as the First Order. They're evil. Whereas the Empire was like, hey, the Republic is now the Empire. We're taking these billions of government workers with us, and you're along for the ride now. And, and that's how you end up with people like Admiral Yularen in the Empire. Yeah. Somebody who fought with the Republic, fought alongside Obi-Wan Kenobi, and now he's fighting, essentially fighting against Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. We get a lot of people with a, when you're talking about the past of the impacts in Star Wars, a lot of the characters in the show have a past on one side or the other, either the Empire or the Rebellion. Uh, you have uh, the ace pilot Griff and then Tam and Doza were all impacted by the Empire in some way. It seems like Griff was a TIE fighter pilot. Uh, Doza was... I'm bad at reading Empire insignia, but he has an Empire uniform in his closet in his office. Yeah. So he was a ranking officer of some kind. Uh, maybe that's how he got the Colossus in the first place. Yeah, we don't know look, the... It looks a lot like the um, Sky Strike Academy from Rebels, where they mm -hmm. trained all the TIE fighter pilots. Um, and then Tam, her grandfather, worked in a factory for the Empire. And it gave her family... And income and stability and yeah. safety and the empire wasn't all bad. And maybe that's not the takeaway message they want us to have, <laughs> but <laughs> it showed us that that can be some people's perception of what happened there. Right. And you get Yeager, who's an ex-rebellion pilot, like he and Doze have some kind of history of being friends. So they put aside their differences and they've been friends now for a long time. And he fought at the Battle of Jakku, didn't he? I think so. I think that's where his like picture is taken that he has in his office. Yeah. And that the Battle of Jakku is represented in the third book of the Star Wars Aftermath series. The mm -hmm. one of the one of the few novels that I read. The other ones were the first two novels in the Star Wars Aftermath series. Um, but yeah, yeah, that one is definitely about the um, creation of the First Order. And what you've talked about, your level of knowledge is exactly what it gets at, is, hey, let's run away to, you know, let's go way out in this uncharted region and we will regroup and come back and be better than ever. Yeah, I don't have time to read the full novels because there's so many of them and I'm, they're all good. I'm not saying they're bad. I just don't have time for them. But I do have time to read, like, the three-page Wikipedia summary. <laughs> I keep up enough. Um, so I think what we get in this season is, like, you see all the shades of evil, whereas the First Order is coming in pure evil. And somehow along the line, they get Finn involved, and he was kidnapped as a child, blah, 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 and he sees her evil and leaves. We don't really have as many people who are, like, adults that get involved with the First Order. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get shown the emotional arc that is Tam in season one of Star Wars Resistance and how someone saying the Star Wars equivalent of hashtag all lives matter and <laughs> um, they weren't that bad and maybe those people deserved it, how that can lead to sympathizing with the First Order and joining them right and but also the the secrecy but it's it's not just that overarching decision politically it's the very personal decision of my friends didn't tell me my friends lied to me were they really my friends yeah it's not so, cool being a spy right <laughs> so she feels betrayed by kaz she feels definitely betrayed by Yeager. And then there's that moment where they're pleading her not to get on the shuttle. And you're, it, they, they hold it for, I don't know how long they hold it for. It feels like 30, 40 seconds. It's probably like 10. But they hold that moment of, is Tam going to grab the hand of the First Order person and walk onto that shuttle? Is she going to leave with them? 
And that's that's the big question. And one of the questions is, you know, why do people choose sides? And I think it's not until these final episodes that it's, here's why people choose sides. And yeah. people don't really know the truth about the sides. And that's, I think that's the other, the other question is that throughout resistance, people don't know about the first order. They don't know about the resistance and nobody has to choose a side. We're here because we're neutral and we just want to do our races and we just want to care about our own little bit and be completely separated from everything else. And then when the decision comes, which side are you going to choose? And people have to start making decisions. And I think it's in the final three episodes, really, that decisions start being made. And um, especially from Doza and definitely Tam and mm -hmm. Yeager starts making decisions to actually be active and help in a very, very active role. But it's those final episodes that decisions have to be made and we get to even see um, I feel like we hit the timeline of the movies a lot faster in this series than we have previously. Not to say that Rebels didn't touch on characters, but I think hit the timeline a lot sooner. Yeah, I mean, it seems like with Rebels and Resistance, they generally take the philosophy that like a season is a year. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's probably how they said it. They set resistance as beginning like about a year before Force Awakens. That's my guess anyway. I haven't done the research there. It might be just a few months. Mm -hmm. How long is Chasm Mechanic to get okay at it? I'd hope at least a year, unless he's a savant. <laughs> right. Uh, I think Clone Wars was not always a year. Clone Wars had a fuzzy timeline. Um, and I don't think it happened in order either. So Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it has. It's caught up to the movies, and there's a lot of Star Wars coming this fall. Because let's see. So before Star Wars Episode Nine, we're gonna have the premiere of Season Two of Resistance, the premiere of The Mandalorian, um, presumably the next season slash final season of Clone Wars. Right. Maybe some other mystery stuff we've yet to hear about. Aren't, aren't we getting the Rogue One prequel on uh, Disney Plus? When does that start? I don't know. They seem to they seem to talk about things far enough in advance that it feels like we're not getting any more surprises this fall. But we'll see. If you're we, at Star Wars Celebration, you probably know. We might be wrong by now. <laughs> I like being wrong. I, I do. I, it's because, great. Because here's the thing. If I were right, that means that they're doing the obvious. And I don't want Star Wars to be obvious. You know, what I want to be obvious is who's good, who's bad, you know. But also in, in that sense, you know, what they're fighting against I do want to be surprised and um, I mean, I was surprised in resistance and it was really, for me, it was jarring tonally to now suddenly be in where, yes, in this story about this spy <laughs> for the resistance, suddenly things start paying off in the final four episodes of him being a spy and things actually going on and danger being real and things being like the first order being activated as a, as a threat. Um, also there are a lot of deaths in yeah. terms of stormtroopers. They kill a lot of stormtroopers. They do. They like shove them out. I, I was a little bit, like the the final plan, which was played off as kind of funny, where they are running in, like, oh, come chase me. And then they get them in the hallway. They close the door. They flood it. They suck in the, the water. And then they flush them out 
to sea to presumably drown. Right? We just see them start to swim a little bit. They kind of cut away. <laughs> yeah, because you don't want to stay there while they're drowning. I mean... Yeah, do the show do does a really good job of like, as an adult, you know when people die, but as a kid, you'd be like, ah, oh, they're just gone now. Yay, we got rid of all of them. Like, oh, God. <laughs> Let's not I think just, about the consequences. That just killed a lot of stormtroopers. Now, granted, mm-hmm. as we said, you know, some of these... Do stormtroopers deserve to die? I don't. I don't understand. Like it's great. It's a Star Wars. Someone has to die. I I understand that. I'm not. I'm not saying people shouldn't die in Star Wars. War, star or otherwise, is the H word. And yeah, I was actually speaking of character deaths. I was pleased that they brought this around and fascinated. They chose to show Kaz killing someone on screen. Because mm. they kill off um, the First Order pilot, Captain Major Von Rieg, whatever his name is. It's very Sound of Music, whatever it is. Right. <laughs> the Captain Von Trapp family. <laughs> and his, um, basically the Red Baron. That's all I kept thinking of. Oh, it's the Red Baron. Yeah. Which makes Kaz Snoopy? <laughs> yeah, that works. It, it works. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's fan art of Kaz on top of a doghouse, you know, in, a, in like Peanuts fashion, going after. I would love to hear a John Williams orchestrated, like <laughs> Linus and Lucy, but in the vein of Star Wars. I wonder if that exists. I'm there for that. If John Williams, you're listening at hashtag Star Wars Celebration. Or, or if if not John Williams, you know we can get um, Michael Giacchino to do because um, you know he did this to the Road Rogue One stuff, so he could just take care of it. That's true. Any Star Wars musician, right? You just play viola, cool. That's fine. Just get us Linus and Lucy in the vein of Star Wars. <laughs> That's it. That's all we want. <sighs> and it was a pretty cool flying move that that did it, though. That was, you know, fly through the Colossus and end up on the other side. Yeah, I felt confident that Kaz was um, earned his reputation as a good pilot that Poe had bestowed upon him in the first episode. I think it was done to show how much he improved and, like, actually how good he is and how mature he is. And the all worked, too, but I felt like at that point he finally earned what people have been saying, that he was a good pilot. Right. Because he really didn't have other occasion to do that. We just get to see he's bad at almost everything else. I mean, he flew in the races and didn't die. In, especially in, you know, the, the fireball. Yeah. Which is death trap. I think that's one of the funnier threads is like, yeah, we have this, we have this ship that could probably kill you. So just be careful. But they keep flying it everywhere. Oh, it's a great handicap if your protagonist in this Star Wars D&D game is overpowered in the pilot ability at the beginning. (laughs) That's true. You're really good at this. Here of a terrible ship. So we can see growth as you get better and better ships. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So what other questions do you leave season one wondering about? The big question for me is, I mean, it didn't happen until the final episode, but are they having Tam um, be a villain in this? Is she going to be one of the forces that she, that they're facing? Um, Is she going to be redeemed? Um, Does she have to be redeemed for choosing this side? That's the, that's another question. I think she will be. I think she'll be our insight into, as as a good Star Wars animated TV shows want to do, it's going to give us some more like bad guy insight and some bad guy drama, which I live for. Yeah. The Clone Wars Sith drama, ugh, loved it. Um, I would love to see her perspective helping us track those plot lines and see what's happening. Um, 
I don't think she'll beat anyone too high up. I think the most we'll get is probably Phasma out of that. That's okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm cool with Phasma. Yeah, but I think that Tam will ultimately come back. I don't know that she... I don't think it's a redemption as much because she hasn't done anything bad yet. All she's done is join. Yeah. And that's not bad enough. I mean, and we if, had a yeah. whole character in episode eight who's talking about don't join, you know, stay, stay neutral. And that's, I think that's one of the themes of resistance too, is resist the urge to join. <laughs> it's the resistance to choose a side. It's not just about the resistance. It's about personal resistance to, hmm. oh gosh, now I have to choose. Now I have to fight. Ugh. I think there's something consciously thematic there because you have force and you have resistance. Mm. Food for thought. Food for thought. Blue milk for thought. Mm. Green milk for thought too. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's talk. What what is? Do you have another question that you're that you're wondering about as we? look into the future of Star Wars Resistance? Well, I think speaking of uh, the bad guys, I am hoping that they um, zhuzh up the bad guys a little bit here. I want to see more on that side on the drama. I don't know how that will work, what's going to happen. I want to see some other interesting faces in there. And I'm hoping, hopefully, please, faces, not just gold Captain Phasma, red Captain Phasma. <laughs> <laughs> Who are all interesting individuals in their own right, but I also like faces. Um, I really like Agent Tyranny. Mm, yes. Great name. Um, I love her outfit, which is very um, Agent Callus of Rebels inspired. And I want to know if that's like the spiritual successor of what Callus did 30 years ago or what's going on there. Well, one of the characters in Star Wars Aftermath had that job essentially in terms of the mini the manipulative one. You either mm -hmm. manipulate them with psychology or you know the torture points. <laughs> so whichever way you have to convince the person, you they're the people that get the psychological work done. Yeah. And that's what's I, I, I find that really interesting. I love Agent Tyranny. I think that she's a good thematic and psychological villain for the show. I don't know that she's strong enough yet for me to consider her the main villain. Possibly not. But she is a foil for a main villain, I feel. Mm -hmm. She's going to push somebody. And I don't know if any Star Wars shows has to have like a big bad a main villain yeah like rebels <laughs> doesn't have like a consistent main villain there's like story seasons right there are various threats i mean you could argue that thrawn but even then who comes in after two seasons of exactly. not being mentioned i was never mentioned but now i'm here i'm the one you've been waiting for that wasn't talked about Um, so I'd, I'd love to see more of that. Um, maybe we'll get into some more of this Knights of Ren they keep mentioning. Like, give me, like, the First Order version of the Inquisitors. I would love to see that. That would be fun. Give me, I'm presuming, Jason Sindula is out there as a grown-up with the Force somewhere. I want that. Is that this show? I don't know. I feel like they could be this show. I feel like the whole Ezra, Sabine, Thrawn thing... That can be its own show somewhere else. Callus and Zeb, that thread's probably done, but I'd love to see more of them too. But then Jason Sindula, I feel like that's a good fit for here. And you know he'd probably be a pilot. You know he'd be a pilot. Yeah, but I also feel like he would have been in like Luke's training ground for force wielders. Maybe he's a dropout. I don't know. Or... Hera didn't want him to be part of it. Oof. Hera telling someone no to their dreams? Does she become her dad? I feel after what she witnessed in terms of 
her relationship with Jason's father, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, she saw what it did to Kanan and might be trying to protect him from that. That's fair, too. I, I mean, I can see her making the wrong decision for the right reasons. Parents do that all the time. Yeah. Speaking from experience. <laughs> Like, oh, that was a really terrible decision, but I made it for the right reason. Oh, well, he'll probably be fine. After therapy 20 years from now. No, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, let me... <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. Um, the other big question is, um, where where is this... Where are they going? Yeah. Both... Both literally and figuratively, where are we headed? Because um, the final image of the seri- this season was the Colossus being revealed to be a ship heading off into hyperspace, carrying all the people we know and love and some pirates mm-hmm. off to we don't know where. Yeah, and I don't feel like there's enough of a reason for the First Order to go after them. You're right. There's so I feel not. like they get into some other hijinks and their, cro- their paths will cross again. I think it's important, and it was very smart, but also somewhat silly, um, to not let them end up with the Resistance because we know what happens to the resistance in episode eight. Yeah. And for them to be part of that would have been um, disastrous. I would love if this show would go on for like six more seasons and like partway through season two after episode nine comes out. Maybe the main characters of the sequel trilogy join this. We see more of the misadventures in the years between episode eight and nine. Yeah. Because I feel like there is going to be a time jump. So I think maybe they are gearing up to show us what happens between eight and nine. And wouldn't it be great to see Kaz in episode nine? Wouldn't that be awesome in some way? (sighs) I feel like that's not going to happen, but I wouldn't put it past them to have like a, if you're paying attention, you see the Colossus in the background during a big battle or something. Yeah. (laughs) Or mention, you know, Captain Shiono, something like that. That would be fun. Just something, just something to show that, hey, yeah, we we know these people are still around. So... I'm not sure where they're physically going and I'm not sure where they're thematically going. And I really don't care. (laughs) Not because I don't want to watch the show, but I don't care because I enjoy the stories. You're along for the ride. I'm along for the ride. And soon, you know, next year, I hope to be literally on the ride. Um, That's my dream. Um, you know, Star Wars, Wars Galaxy coming soon to Disneyland, Disney World, and oh. maybe some other places. And, and Chris's actual life. Um, but the the other thing that I was thinking about is just I, I like having these lovely theories and looking at story thematically. And I just when I, when I watch these things, I just forget all that. And it's not until after I've watched it that I start being curious about like where we headed like i really it's not the question week to week it's just li- allowing myself to be surprised each time mm-hmm. and loving turtle people those those the shell people I are know. pretty cool right shell people are awesome like i feel like there's something very what is it um dark crystal-esque about them like like i, I feel thinking- Kind of like a Bendu. Yeah. There's something really like 1980s Jim Henson-y kind of like darker kind of character about them. I like it. Partly because they like 
live in those engineering level lights. Right, and they move really slowly. Like the puppeteer. He says... I mean, they're a nice change of pace from the movement and reactions of Kaz and Niku and everyone who are like just fast talkers and flailers. And then there are these like grounded spiritual creatures. Yeah, Kaz and Niku are like Muppet Show. <laughs> spiritual <laughs> healers are like Dark Crystal or Farscape. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> okay. Um, so speaking of we have our theories about where they're going and what's happening. Um, is there anything that hasn't happened in the show that you feel you're just waiting for? You want it to happen. Ooh. Not really. What's, okay. I mean, we start off with Poe Dameron and BB-8. So it's not like I'm waiting for a cameo from some random person or whatever. I'm not... I don't, I don't know. I'm waiting. I, I'm looking forward to bigger fights. Mm-hmm. To big, I, th- I think, especially now that Kaz has had... <laughs> it's a little bit like Spider-Man. You have to have your tragedy thing happen to you before you can become <laughs> Spider-Man. You have to have your tragedy thing happen to you so you can become a Star Wars hero. Mm-hmm. So now that... <laughs> Now that Kaz has had his tragic thing happen to him, which I hope we see more aftermath of that um, emotionally, because Kaz did not have time to deal with the death of his planet yeah. um, as he was sneaking around the First Order. He just had to get the job done. But I look forward to seeing emotion in season two. <laughs> yes. Not to say that there wasn't. I'm just saying I'm looking forward to dealing with big emotions. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Other than I was reading about my question, immediately finishing the season finale was like, what about all the people in the classes who just don't want to be along for the ride? And like the first thing I read was about, (laughs) I I want to say Justin Ridge or one of the other like show folk were, which is different than shell folk, the show folk, the show folk, (laughs) the show folk. Who live in the writer's room where it's dark and... <laughs> they drink their coffee and... Yeah. Wear their um, So the show folk were talking about... Um, they will address, like, not everyone wanting to be on the run now. Um, but the other thing that I mentioned earlier in this episode was... Um, a Slate had a really good article about... Has Star Wars outgrown the Force? Hmm. Could you say one or two more sentences about that? So we talked about how the Force isn't in the show yet... And it might not be, and I'm okay with that. I'm not really waiting for like an answer, like where will the force of the lightsabers come in here? I don't need that from Star Wars anymore, and that's okay. Um, but I, I wonder then, like, what's the legacy of the show? What does that look like? What are people responding to in Star Wars? What is Star Wars without the force? What does that mean to people? Hmm. I think it's a really good question. (laughs) Um, My answer right off the bat is that Star Wars is a lot about this. And I think I talked about a little bit about the decision between good and evil. And that's what Star Wars is. And in the films, it's represented very much so in um, metaphor and very deliberate color-coded sword fights. Um, And I think we don't necessarily need the sword fights to have the questions. We can sit with the questions a little bit more as as we sit with the shows and the characters. Like, we don't necessarily need that. Um, We could still see people make decisions with the First Order. I mean, Kaz's jacket is still green. Mm-hmm. The person he fought was red. Like, that's, we understand, like, things like that are still going to be present in the world. Um, metaphor, even without the mythology of the spiritualness in there. Yeah. 
Yeah. You don't necessarily need that. religion to be uh, spiritual, and uh, you don't need spirituality and religion to necessarily be moral and make moral decisions. Thanks, Star Wars. <laughs> well, now we know. Now we know. I, I think that's that's where I come from about it. It's decisions and morality and, you know, fun with lasers. Yeah. But yeah. I almost bonus. had a whole other tangent I went down there, but that, I'll leave that. It's not for this podcast. <laughs> um, but yes, I agree. I'm looking forward to it. I, I also think Star Wars is somewhat about all the main characters' journeys are about starting in a world where good and evil are black and white and slowly discovering that that's not really the case. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I agree. Hmm. It's a growing up show. A Bildungsroman. Oh, I'm sorry, a what? In literature, it's a... It's Bildungsroman? I think that's the right word. Hang on. <laughs> Bildungsroman. I can spell it but I couldn't tell you. Um, a novel dealing with one person's formative years or spiritual education. Bildungsroman. You're That's welcome, right. you're, fans. You heard it first. Star Wars is, by definition, Bildungsroman in so many ways. Anyway, Chris, did you have a favorite thing? I did. I think my favorite thing is just the shot at the end. I'm just seeing... A bunch of people standing very Empire Strikes Back back esque. Um, Empire going into Strikes Bosk? <laughs> Bosk. Oh no, not Bosk. I love Bosk. Anyway, yeah, that's a different one. Um, very, very much, you know, a group of folks looking off to the unknown in hyperspace. Just, it's a cool shot and it's also thematically very rich. Very Star Wars. Very Star Wars. What about for you? My favorite thing is something that they do throughout the season isn't really endemic of resistance, but is what I love about, I think, the cartoon shows in general, is they feel free to explore things that are cool concepts that aren't necessarily in the movie. So, for example, in Resistance, we get some sequel-era designs and first-order concepts that you don't see in the movies because they're not necessary there, but they're fun to see. The first-order probe droid, super Mm. cool. Yes, let's give those armor. How did those not have armor before? Good job, Empire. Um, and like the the Aqua Troopers were really a nifty ad. I was glad to yeah. see them. That kind of stuff. I just like that. Like broadening the world. It's not just one type of stormtrooper. Right. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Should we talk homework time? Is that... Or do we have anything else to talk about first? Yes, but one quick plug, because you know I love me some Leica. Um, mm. Unrelated to this episode, but coming out today, if you're listening to this on release day, is the movie The Missing Link, which is the new Leica Studios movie. We will talk about this eventually. So no hurry to go see it, but of course go see it, because it's Leica. It's amazing. It has promise already. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm sold. <laughs> I look forward to catching it. Now I'm ready for homework time. Homework time! For your homework, we are celebrating the beginning of the end of the saga, Star versus the Forces of Evil. So a different star battle um, next time. It's not Star Wars. It's not Star Trek. It's not even Stargate. It's Star versus <laughs> Star Butterfly. Um, uh, so go go out and watch the latest season of Star versus the Forces of Evil. And if you haven't watched Star versus the Forces of Evil, um, start start. Yeah, we'll we'll still be talking about it. So if you still haven't made a decision, we'll help you. Make that decision next time. As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our sound engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can tell us all about your feelings about Star Wars 
and what you're seeing at Star Wars Celebration, I'm sorry, hashtag Star Wars Celebration that we're not seeing. <laughs> um, I know the recording podcast there. We didn't apply, obviously. Um, but you can tell us all about it on Twitter, at WG Animated. Um, and you can find show notes and fun things like that on our Podbean website, which is... Writersgetanimated.podbean.com. I'm having such a hard time. Writers get animated. <laughs> Writersgetanimated.podbean.com. May the force be with you always. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>